Julia is here, for those of you with children who'd like to go back and get your Bible bags. All the rest of us, let's turn to John chapter 3. We go from Genesis last week and the story of Adam and Eve and this deep abyss that came upon us. And we go now to perhaps some of the best known verses of Scripture. For God so loved the world. We're going to look at John chapter 3 and we're going to go the first to the 17th verses. As I mentioned earlier, this is the second Sunday of Lent and this 40-day period is the season in which we think about how the darkness of the world has, has uh, so harmed us and we've entered into an abyss of life. And uh, that darkness we've studied over the course, the lectionary during the season of Epiphany. Epiphany, of course, is that time where we look at the wisdom of Jesus Christ and the light that he brought into the world. So we've talked quite a bit about darkness and light over the last uh, uh, few months. And we've seen how the, the, that dark abyss, almost like a dark hole that sucks all the light around it, is something that is so pervasive to humanity, to us as individuals, and then to us as a whole, that it's easy for us to, to just become overwhelmed by it. Uh, the darkness is, is personal. We've all experienced that. Uh, where what we would want to do, we don't. And where we don't want to do, we do, as Paul describes it. But it's also cosmic. Uh, I mean, we all have been watching the news, praying that a war does not break out. And... Uh, as Russia is doing what it wants to do to expand its borders and all the other things that happen in Crimea and everywhere else in the world. We recognize that the darkness is something that is, is pervading uh, every part of us, but it also pervades, pervades nature, nature itself. Uh, the storms are not just personal, uh, they're also uh, cosmic, and they cause all things from drought to uh, winter like we've had back east and all of that. So it's not surprising today, as we uh, continue seeing how God works, that Nicodemus comes to God at night. He visits Jesus at night. And the old joke, uh, Nick at night, he comes and spends time with him, where no one uh, will see him. He's hiding himself, and he's hiding his uh, relationship. And yet what Jesus says to him is that, Unless you have a whole new spiritual birth, where you have new eyes, you have new ears, you have a, a new heart, a new mind, unless something happens to you so that you can experience God, you're not going to know God. You're not even going to be able to see God. You're going to be caught up in this tremendous abyss. In other words, you need to be born of God in order to see God. You need to have the breath of God in order to breathe God. Now, the implications of that are many. It's one of the most profound truths that we have in all of Christianity, that in fact, you must be born of God to experience God. And so the question that naturally arises for us is, well, if we don't have the eyes to see in the dark, then how do we find God? How do we find Jesus? If Nicodemus, as Jesus so appropriately points out, doesn't have the eyes to see and he doesn't have the mind to understand and he's, he's just groping in the dark, then how is he supposed to find God? How does any person uh, find God if we uh, are unable to see? So that's what we want to explore together today. 
And perhaps one of the best-known verses, as I said, is John 3.16. And we'll, we'll come to the conclusion of that. So John chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 1 and go through the 17 uh, verses of that first chapter, of the third chapter. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now keep that open before you as we study these words. Let's pray. Father, each one of us are very aware that there is so much more, not just to us, but to one another and to this world than what can be experienced in these physical senses. We intuitively know it. We can experience it in, in flashes of insight. But we want to live in that great breath of heaven. We want to live the new life that you've come to give us. And so each one of us have come today and we're open to you. If we have not yet experienced, we want to experience. If we experience it daily, we want to experience deeply. We would ask that you would be with us right now. And we will give you the praise for anything that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now when Jesus teaches straight theology. It's called a didactic text, which means that he's teaching straight theology to us. It's difficult for us to understand. Nicodemus, who spoke his own language, didn't understand. We enjoy Jesus's 
parables and his stories because even a child can begin to grasp it. But this is one of the great texts of straight didactic teaching of Jesus Christ. And the words that he uses are multi-layered because they're describing a multifaceted experience of reality, of who we are in the world and what it is and, and what it defines. The central concept, of course, comes from his explanation that you must be, and the, the NIV translators we just read decided to translate it as born again. The words Jesus uses are gana'o anathem. Gana'o means to be born, and that's a simple, straightforward uh, kind of word. But the anathem has two interlocking, interlacing, primary meanings. And it means, first of all, to be born from above. And that is primarily from heaven, from God, from that realm which is beyond this physical flesh giving birth to flesh experience. But the second word means to be born again, renewed, a new creature, a whole new being in that. And so you have this sense of from above, where you're born as God birthed the world, and everything is as it should be because it is God's word that brought it into existence, both at the first word of creation, but also in your new birth, your new life, your life in him. But it's also a renewed sense because we all know, as we talked about last week, that this world fell and we fell. And we lost that anathem from above life where we had the eyes to see and the ears to hear God to be able to walk with him in knowledge and in truth, to be able to walk his way in a natural breath. Now, scholars have argued over whether this should be translated born of God or born again, but the best scholars agree that we should actually incorporate into those two words both senses of this, that it's an interlacing that should occur that we should experience a whole new life given to us by God, a renewed experience in which we become once more the person that God intended us to be when he spoke us into existence at the very beginning or gave us birth in our mother's womb. For to have that rebirth of personhood is to change the very ability to see, the very ability to understand, the very ability to experience the love of God and the love of others. In other words, the Christian life is not one about becoming a better person. It's interesting to me how many people, and, and you'll hear this all the time. I was at a wedding yesterday and talked to a lot of people who are not believers, and you get a sense that there's a, a, a kind of attitude about Christianity that we're just trying to be better people. It's kind of like we got our basic program from the factory and we're just adding on to who we are. That's not at all what the Bible teaches or what we mean by Christian faith. We mean that we actually start over again and become a whole new creature. And we are born from above to a renewed life that allows us to live a whole different life than just uh, a life of trying to be a little bit better or manage our sin or, or just somehow keep it under control for as long as we can and, uh, and exist in that way. So what the scriptures teach is that there's a rebirth from above 
and that we become a new creature. But that leads us then back to the problem of Nicodemus. How could he see without first being Ganao Anathan? How could he understand without having the mind of Christ, this new life that God is putting within him? If we're struggling in the dark, how do we find Jesus? Well, the answer to that is, is what is so profound about this and why this is one of the most important texts in all of Scripture. We see it in verses 13 and 16 primarily, but it's woven all the way through Jesus' explanation to Nicodemus. He explains that no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, you remember that the vipers had come and they were killing the people of Israel. And so God told them to take a viper and put it on a stake and put it in the middle of the camp. And when they were bitten, to look upon that. And it's still the symbol of the medical profession today, the serpent on the stick. Well, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up as we look upon the cross and this great redemptive act of God in which he died for us that we might have life and have it abundantly that everyone who believes trusts obeys is a part of renewed by God will have eternal life and then he says this wonderful verse for God so loved the world that's his motivation he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, Ionian life, the life of God, the life that God lives. For God did not send his son into the darkness, into the world, to condemn the world, but to be a light to the world, to give rebirth to the world, to save the world, so that we might have life through him. So that initiative of the Ganao Anathan is God came and showed us the light in the midst of whatever darkness, whatever death, whatever imprisonment, whatever addiction, whatever enslavement we've experienced or have caused in this world. He came into the world and he was lifted on the cross when he took the sorrow of this world and all of its pain all of its enslavement. And it is God loving us that sent his son. A deep love for who we are. And it's the light coming. Now, in theological terms, we call that the pervenient grace of God. It means that God is at work to bring us to him long before we came. He shines a light he brings an experience. He gives us an insight. He lets us meet a person who tells us of their journey. We experience his truth. He preveniently, before anything we ever do, he comes to us so that we might have life. Now that reality that when we come to him is a response to his coming to us and then that experience we're born of God into a new personhood who can see and hear is a gestation period of spiritual life 
and spiritual rebirth in which each one of us become who we're created to be. Now, one of the problems that, have, that has happened in Christian faith is that people have tried to define what that birth looks like by external kinds of behaviors. And so we have people saying, if you only say this prayer, then you will be born of God. Or if you only kneel at this altar and do these things, then you'll be born of God. Or if you only experience this emotion, then you will be born of God. Or if you only speak these specific theological words to describe what is happening to you, then you'll be born of God. Or if you only speak these unintelligible words, these words you don't know what you're saying, then you'll be born of God, on and on. And so what we often do is we take external experience and define them as normative for everyone. And we misunderstand that the uniqueness of Christian faith is that we're each born of God in a way that fits our mind, our heart, our life, our past, and our future and our glorification with God. It's going to be a unique experience for each of us. And it's going to be something that each of us must experience in ourselves and not try to be repetitive of someone else. Some of us have a birth that is instantaneous. But as we look back on that, oftentimes we realize that it was years and years of gestation in that process of birth. That it was not something that was instantaneous, but God had been at work pulling us to him over a period of time. Others of us have a birth with years of labor, strong contractions, deep and compelling doubt and fear and rebellion against. Until we realize one day that we've been through it and we can now see and there's now peace in our souls because we're now a new creature. We have been birthed of God. And still others of us have a birth when we're alone. I've met many people who are just reading the word of God and they turn their lives over and had a whole opening experience and came to God in a very personal way. Others of us experience it at a retreat where we spend a whole weekend or a whole week focusing in on God and suddenly our eyes and our hearts are opened. Still others experience it in a classroom where the mind has been convinced and transformed such that the heart can, can accept. Others of us experience rebirth in Bible studies. I've had many people who have been sitting in a Bible study and recognizing for the first time the truth that they're reading as the Word of God just comes alive suddenly when it was once just a book. Still others experience rebirth in worship services like this in communion moments where we take the sacrament of holy communion with God and we experience God in that whole and holistic way. Still others of us have a moment of clarity. Perhaps we're with friends or we're at a great movie or we're at a, in, a, in a reading a book or something else and suddenly everything begins to fit and it fits in a way that allows us to then be new and to begin to experience God in that. Others of us just suddenly experience the world going from the shades of gray, as we talked about last week, to living color. 
where in fact we experience the splendid presence of God. But whatever the path, whatever the way, whatever the uniqueness of your journey or of mine, we are all born of God and come to know him and to walk with him in the cool of the day as Adam and Eve did. We're restored, renewed to the personhood that God intended humanity to have when he first breathed into us and gave us life. When I teach the story of creation to our little preschoolers, our little threes and two-year-old kids, one of the things that I have them do is put their hands over their eyes and then in that moment when creation occurs, I have them shout out what God said. Let there be light. Everybody do it. Put your hands over your eyes. You ready? Let there be light. Now imagine that moment of creation being the restoration of your soul and your life. For that's what God presents to us today. It's my prayer that in these moments of your life, as we quiet ourselves in prayer, that when you open your eyes to sing this great closing hymn, that you will pray, let there be light in every way that God brings light and birth and joy within you. Let's spend time with God.